Hi, I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, and welcome to On Brand, where we take a look at brands through the lens of the consumer and this desire for true connection and a two-way relationship. So we are in the holiday shopping season. And uh, what that is going to look like in 2020, though, in terms of the retail industry, is certainly going to be quite different. Uh, We've seen shifts on this front for several years now. Things like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, those have already been reinvented and and shifting um, and and growing in different ways. But I think it's probably fair to say that what we're going to see this year is is really something like we've never seen before, this impact. Um, It's a whole new ballgame, and it goes well beyond the fourth quarter. I think we're going to see this extend for years to come. We're seeing things like new rules and restrictions when it comes to in-store experiences, but also, of course, this massive surge in e-commerce. And I think now a need more than ever for that digital experience to truly be comprehensive and best in class. That retail industry is having to reinvent rapidly, and there are some hits and misses along the way. So today we're gonna dive into what's working, what's not, and where other businesses and companies can kind of learn from some of these initiatives um, on this front. And listen, I couldn't think of a more perfect person to bring into this conversation than my guest today, Sean Ryan. Sean is an award-winning strategist. He is a digital disruptor and journalist, and he has significant experience in the retail sector, having led a social and digital strategy for Fortune 500 retailers like JCPenney and Target. Um, currently, Sean serves as VP of digital strategy for the Informed Engagement Network, and that's a Minneapolis-based agency. Uh, Sean, welcome to the show. Sir, it's great to be here. Always fun to catch up and and talk all things uh, retail and digital and branding, uh, especially as we're we're moving right into the holiday season. We certainly are. And again, I you know you were the first person that came to mind. I knew I wanted to really hone in on this topic, particularly around this time of year. And you've been really focused on this for a while now, because in your career, so much of what you've done has really looked at enhancing the experiential with the you know with the virtual. Something that I think is probably more important now than ever in light of this global pandemic. But before we get into that, I do want you to share with everyone your kind of origin story before you got into this brand and digital strategy world. I think it's really relevant to this conversation, particularly if we're talking about connection. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah. So, you know, when I went to college at Gonzaga University, uh, Facebook wasn't a thing until my senior year. Um, I was going to be on ESPN. That was my plan. So, But I ended up in journalism. I was a TV news reporter for for several years. Um, But it was during that time, 2004, 2005, 2007, um, that started to see the shift into digital. News stations were starting to put their content online. Um, E-commerce was starting to, well, it was continuing to grow during that time. Um, But I made the shift from journalism where, you know, I'm on screen doing a minute and a half story on a six hour city city council meeting. and now I'm moving into this marketing communication space when I got out of the TV news business. There was a need for how brands could tell their story in this new space, this social media space where you had just you know seconds of somebody's attention as they're scrolling through their, their news feed and starting to reimagine how could this brand live in this space um, 
And it, it was a it was a really a unique shift. A lot of people look at me like, well, how did you go from journalism to this marketing communications world? Um, I, I a lot of uh, connectivity between the two, and, and and in fact, the agency that I work with now is is almost all ex journalists that uh, have brought that kind of storytelling uh, skill set uh, to brands uh, around around the country. Yeah, well, look, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I'm a writer by trade, and I think that storytelling is at the heart of um, that's the kind of connective tissue with everything I do, my professional world, my creative world. I love the connection here in the segue. I think it totally makes sense, and quite frankly, I think it gave you an advantage coming into brand and strategy with that lens um, in terms of telling stories. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about retail. So um, let's get right into it. So. Your career includes um, leading strategy and teams for some really big players in the space, Target, JCPenney. Talk to me a little bit about what the lay of the land was when you really first started uh, you know, focusing in on retail um, and what the challenges were at that time. Yeah, so when I, I, I spent the better part of a decade on the retail side, um, focused a lot on social media and digital content, um, but in particular, how, how those channels can interact with some of what's happening on the ground. And re, uh, the, the holiday time frame is probably the biggest opportunity for that. And in particular, when Black Friday, Black Friday. Um, so when I, when I started at Target and we were trying to find ways to implement more social activity with folks that were actually on customers that were actually on the ground waiting in line um creating interaction with with them as they're waiting and giving out gift cards uh through twitter and um creating that fun surprise and delight in that moment um to create buzz and create interest and create this earned media um, uh, and, and impressions for for the brand in this critical time period through the years uh, from my time at Target and then into JCPenney, you saw that Black Friday creep. It was opening up at six in the morning and then it was opening up at midnight on, on Thanksgiving night. And you know now we've seen it uh, shift into Thanksgiving day. And you know one retailer does it, another follows suit and then Macy's is open an hour earlier and so forth. To this year um, where we are seeing that creep move up to now we're seeing black friday deals getting launched every other week at, at different retailers um and we're seeing that primarily in the digital digital space for sure yeah and i think that that was something you know that we did start to see before COVID, before this impact before this sure. pandemic and maybe even more so now i mean i swear i i swear it was like the day after halloween that i saw <laughs> like it's black friday month no, like it's not like a whole, it's not just a day anymore. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. when we think about the in-person experience, you certainly have experience where um, this time of year, it was about, you know, a lot of the focus was on more like safety around lining up or getting into the store early. I mean, we heard, you know, there were some really negative stories on that front throughout the years and some pushback on that. And, and wow, have things changed this year? The focus is safety but it's in a completely different realm in terms of, you know, we're under a lot of different rules and restrictions. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this. I think digital is more important that, now than ever. 
What are some things that you think in your or you've seen in your experience that maybe were predictors um, and ahead of the game um, in terms of the digital front? You mentioned social e-commerce. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've seen um, a lot of the the e-com brands like the Amazons of the world mm-hmm. that are pushing your brick and mortar retailers. And this, this is no you know amazing insight to shift the way that they're doing business. And you're seeing that in conjunction with um, the, the change in shopping behavior over the last you know, decade plus, where when a lot of retailers are looking at bottom line and that, that Black Friday weekend, really pushing them over the edge for the year, they're looking for more of those kind of uh, curves uh, to, to, to push those purchases at uh, when you know you're not going to get all of it on Black Friday because customers are thinking and they're planning ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Holiday shopping starts for for people now and some of the last research that I've, I've seen primarily in September. And, and they know that, well, I can get it shipped to my shipped to my house. So um, you take that with the the health and safety concerns of, of COVID. Um, you're seeing this big shift to um, how can we start to communicate with our consumers about what what are going to be these big deals? How can we surprise and delight them earlier through the process um, so that instead of this big curve of sales that you get on on Black Friday weekend, um, it's it's a lot of leading up to that um, of, of of sales bumps and doing that through digital, doing that through um, utilizing a CRM tool and getting uh, getting someone that email message or that surprise uh, surprise and delight deal that they see on Facebook because we know so much more about the consumer. We know exactly what to get in front of them um, that it's it's really shifting what is what's that major you know golden where you get into the black uh, for for a retail come come uh, this Q4. Do you think those deals are more important now to the consumer? I mean, we're in a state where, you know, look, a lot of people um, are uh, operating under different budgets. They may have decreased Mm -hmm. or lost their jobs, Um, you know, so it's going to be a different season this year. Do you think they're more important or what else do you think is really critical now to that customer experience? You know, there's two things that I would say about that. One is the expectation for when those deals come has been um, widened. Uh, it, it's not just a Black Friday thing. You have a, a, an event like an Amazon Prime Days that has that has pushed targets, JCPenney, Kohl's, into having their own version of that. Um, and then we're seeing kind of little events like that ever since Prime Day to leading up to Black Friday that have those events um, that are communicated via digital digital channels. The the other thing that I would say is that um, because the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world know so much more about the consumer, the expectation is that I'm going to see a deal that actually resonates with me mm-hmm. on on my feed. Um, you know, having worked at at JC the big thing was the catalog. It's a 500 stack book that you get in the mail. <laughs> Maybe some of those things are interesting to you, but now we can deliver the five things that we know are going to be most relevant to you right in your newsfeed 
as you're as you're scrolling through. And I mean, let's be honest, who looks at the mail anymore? Right. I mean, I my my highlight is I still get letters from my grandmother and send them to oh, her, which man. I absolutely love. I like, but I call it real mail, right? Versus like this kind of catalog driven thing. It's so funny. I've actually so I've been watching The Office a lot in quarantine. It's like my go to like blankie, and um, I just got through the season where they were like trying to land the white pages in Scranton because like that's the big deal. It's like a book of paper, right? And I, right. I'm being like, wow, like. Would Dunder Mifflin even be, that wouldn't even be the focus anymore if they did the office today, but I digress. Maybe it'd be a retail, retail company. I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, I think, I think you make some really great points there too. I, I'd love to get like, just kind of pause on the topic of customer experience. And I'd love to get your take based on your um, career. Um, and again, you've worked for some brands who have done some really innovative things. You've led, kind of been brought in to lead something to kind of pivot it and regrow it, right? So with that, what do you think makes a really good customer experience? And is there a layer to consider that's specific for retail? Yeah, the expectations of the consumer have changed drastically. And and there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that the channels of communications have with brands have grown significantly. I mean, it's not just placing a phone call to the customer care center. You can email, you can, you know, yell at them on Twitter if you want to. And, yeah. you know, that's part of what I did when I was at Target and JCPenney is standing up these customer care teams to be able to respond. Well, now there's the expectation a brand's going to respond. Um, and that can have an enormous impact. And, and we can we can talk about that later, too, the, that, that experience and how that can possibly impact somebody that may have had a bad experience previously with brand, but um, you've got you've got brands that have uh, offered more channels that they're going to communicate on top of the uh, app experience or the the digital experience that customers have a, 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 you know, a Target or a Macy's or what have you, where. Um, I can I can take my phone out. I can look on my app, and I can see what stores actually have that product, or um, what is my history with this brand? What are what are the purchases that I've made? Where did I make them? Um, to the point where I'm assuming that every customer service or sales associate or team member has all that information at their disposal as well. Um, so customer autonomy that that technology brings. So I, you know, I can go in the store and I can figure the stuff out that I typically or used to would have had to go to an associate or team member to figure that out. Um, it only ups the game for the kind of customer experience that you need to provide uh, for somebody walking in your door or interacting with your brand online. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a huge Target fan. And I know I, and I watch I look at them through the you know lens of both brand and consumer and, you know, they were doing some things pretty early on. You know, I remember when Cartwheel was developing, and I think you were involved in that too, um, yeah. kind of evolved into the app. And again, it was really one of the first places where I would be in store and be able, like, and I've done this recently in Target, where I see something I like and it's not in my size and I scan the tag in the store and I'm like figuring out, do I want to pick it up at another location but the like, and again, I think before COVID, Target was a brand that like had that dialed in in terms of options, um, delivery, things like that too. Is that 
to me, that feels like something that is going to be really pivotal in terms of survival in this um, in this current state. Would you agree with that? And what are some other things that you think um, are must-haves moving forward? Sure. And I mean, I think we've talked the idea that um, you know, there there are certainly a number of terrible negative uh, you know economic impacts of mm -hmm. COVID. There are a lot of small shops that have had to close up. Um, and there's, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of businesses that are larger businesses that have had to lay people off, but, um, it is forcing brands and, and restaurants and, and all sorts of different types of retailing, how they're engaging with the consumer and the experience that they're providing. So when you look at a company like Target that was thinking ahead of the curve in terms of, will will put all your 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 shopping list together and we'll bring it out to you in your car or we're you know that partnership that they had with shipped that happened well ahead of the of uh you know where everybody's on quarantine that yeah. now has become an essential tool for a lot of consumers that safe they don't want to go out of the house and it it offers the opportunity for for target to continue our business and and be uh uh and so i think the the brands that have have either set themselves up to to be able to you know flip the switch on some of those um, uh, customer ease of use and and customer access uh, is a huge huge uh, opportunity, but also you've got companies smaller retailers that now have an opportunity to kind of play on the same scale when you've got you've got the targets of the world that are a destination place. Um, but then you've got the maybe more boutique shops that aren't necessarily right in the center of the, uh, you know, shopping universe. And you might have to go a little out of the way to get there. Um, if my shopping experience now is totally online on my computer or on my phone, um, that little boutique shop is really doesn't have a, there's no difference in experience. Yeah. Good point. Between the, I mean, Certainly, there are um, Target and, and other other brands do a fantastic job of their their online digital experience that is tough for a for a mm -hmm. smaller smaller shop to recreate. But just the base, I look for the thing that I want, I find it, I make the purchase, and it can be delivered to my home. Um, that's the same, and so there's a huge opportunity to kind of build out that that very scalable digital solution for, for consumers. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, you're in Minneapolis, I'm in Portland. We live in two cities where that small to medium business retailer is really prominent in our regions, right? Um, and I think you're right. I think now with technology, um, we, you know, you can have that digital experience with your more mom and pop shops. But mm -hmm. uh, one thing is that we were also kind of trained into this immediacy culture, right? Like, especially yeah. with your... Amazon Primes of the world. Do you think that's shifting in light of COVID? Do you think that maybe, and maybe that's an advantage for small to medium businesses that maybe we're a little bit more patient now, or do you think it's the opposite? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Cause I think um, on, in, on the, on the one hand, um, I actually, I, I agree with that. Now that I'm thinking about it, if I need something right now, I know I can go down to the street and go to the big, big box retailer that's going to have it. Um, and because I'm, I'm less likely to leave the house because I want to be healthy. I want to be safe. Um, 
I'm more willing to wait a little bit. And you're you're right that that immediacy. While there are there are certainly the uh, I don't I don't know necessarily some of the the shops are going to be able to compete with the Amazons where you know you get it tomorrow with Amazon Prime kind of thing. But um, it's not the expectation that I can run out of the house this afternoon and go pick it up today. Um, and that's a huge paradigm shift for for a, the consumer mindset. Yeah, you know, I think that's building off of something again that was happening well before COVID set in. And that was we were predicting the shift in 2020 mm-hmm. where uh, experience is more important than price and product. So people don't will pay. More. It's not about getting the best deal anymore, necessarily. In fact, they'll pay more for a better experience. And I can speak to that as a consumer as well, particularly in the retail sector. I had an experience with um, a kind of newer up and coming makeup line where I actually canceled my order before it shipped because I had such a bad experience after Mm -hmm. I placed the order. I was trying to give them more money to get the order to me faster. Talk about patience, because I didn't have one. And and they couldn't change it. And I couldn't under, and they're not teeny tiny, right? So like, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. like put that on again a small, small business. They, they're pretty good. I'll leave them nameless right now. But um, I think that's something, you know, to think about um, that maybe that's an opportunity here, whether you're a small to medium business or you're a large conglomerate, that the, what hasn't changed is that experience matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's take that. Let's go. We talked a little bit about social. I know you want to get back to that too. So you and I both come traditionally more from the quote unquote marketing world, right? Um, I've been agency and brand side before I've been in my yeah. current role. I came in, there was a huge growing need mm-hmm. on the customer service side. I've seen so- uh, social break down these silos because you are just the brand. You are mm-hmm. the company and you have a relationship with your customer. Sometimes there are ups and sometimes there are downs. What's your experience with this on the retail side? And where do you think social plays um, in terms of that, that connection, that engagement and that relationship? Yeah, um, the, I think the most important thing, and this was a hurdle for um, uh, not only retailers that I worked at, but um, colleagues that I've, I've worked with in, in similar spaces, is getting brands to not think about social as a push tool. Mm. It's, it's so much more than that. And right. the ability for you to mine conversation and that audience, that consumer first. Um, that that's one of the most critical and uh, I think underappreciated parts of what social media can can be for brands. So once you've established the ability and and um, you invest in listening uh, to the audience, then you can start to pull on these levers like response and resolution in that space. Um, and that's not a marketing thing. That's a that's a customer, um, customer support tool. Um, but it also speaks to how it can't, when you look at something like social, it can't live in a silo and it can't live apart. Like a lot of organizations have built out their, their brands or, or their, their organization where, um, you've got the you know customer care function, you've got the marketing function, you've got maybe it's PR and communications function and they're, and they're separate and you just kind of throw stuff over the fence. Um, social requires a connectivity that can really enhance that customer experience where I've got a problem um, with a particular product and 
I've posted online. And that comment not only is something that's responded to by the customer care team, but it's also picked up by the you know customer research and and analytics and and um, uh, you know the, the the teams are looking at what do we need to do to change some of our products and uh, or how do we need to shift our our buying patterns. Um, those insights can be incredible across across the board. Um, the other the other thing I would say is for that person that has a bad experience and they've posted online and you're able to resolve that for them, you've just won back a customer because you've had that touch point where you brought them resolution and just like a human relationship, <laughs> we've talked about this, like there's ups and downs. Uh, it, uh, you're getting little tips here and there, but things can resolve and you're still friends. And that's that's the way a relationship with a brand works and, and social plays a critical critical role in that. Yeah, I, I of course totally agree with you. And it's also like one of the few places where like everything can happen. It's not just mm -hmm. one point of the relationship or the, the journey. And I think you're right. I think people are willing to forgive. Um, it's about how you show up when the mistake has been made. And, you know, I know we work with teams that kind of cover the whole gamut now and really trying to design that strategy holistically versus siloed. I think that's an advantage. And again, this is one of those things I think is really pertinent in terms of takeaways and tips um, for people who are listening in, whether you sit in the retail industry or not. I think that's something that's really ap applicable across the board. I am curious, you know, there's a there's some recent news about partnerships, particularly with some of the brands that you've worked with. In fact, mm -hmm. Target just announced a partnership with Ulta, which is, I'm like, oh my God, my favorite brands are getting married. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, you've seen this before. Yeah. Penny and Sephora. So what do you think about the partnerships? What do you think is, what do you think that can work from them? And what are some things to maybe be um, cautious of? Um, I, partnerships can be fantastic uh, just from a, from a, you know, one plus one equals three brand lift uh, situation. Um, they they have to, you have to be smart though. You have to understand your going back to being able to listen to that audience and understand what they're saying about you and what they think about you. Um, but you can also miss the mark. I mean, I've seen retailers that try to partner with brands that are just so far off from their customer base that it, it ends up not creating that, lift that you are you are looking for you can't be you know a brand over here that is catering to um you know an audience of soccer moms and then we want to we want to go after 60 year old men like you, you it doesn't work that way you you're you're um it's it's not going to make sense for uh you know like a a bed bath and beyond to be advertising during some you know senior golf tour match on you know nbc universal Right. You, you have to think about where do the brand partnerships make sense. Um, I think you're right. I mean, again, I saw the Target Alta news and I was like, I was like, yay, are you registered? You know, like probably a yeah. Target, you know, where can I send? I mean, it made sense because it was the marriage was correct and it felt authentic and not forced. It, it's, um, yeah, that that that, you know, it, it can't be that jump. Right. It, it has to be uh, uh, extensions that that widen your widen your consumer base. Um, and and say something about what your brand represents, what both brands represent, and and that uh, needs to be a good good fit. Yeah, I mean, I think that that really speaks to the importance of understanding who your brand is, right? And not yep. who you think you are. But you know, you talked earlier about social insights. 
you know, yep. what I, I think, what are your thoughts on what you can learn from what the consumer thinks about you and your brand? Yeah, and I mean, if you're if you're a brand starting out, that's a fun, exciting time where you you set your mission, you set your purpose, and you got to commit to it, and then you gotta you gotta live it. Um, if you're an existing brand, you got to understand how you're viewed um, because you can't completely flip. Now, I, I've been at retailers where you they've tried to do drastic brand switches and it can't happen overnight. Um, you, you have to understand how does your customer view you so that you can start there and start to move them with you as you as you move your your brand uh, to to maybe and, and partnerships is a great way to do that. Uh, again, it's got to be the, the right partnership without, you know, moving the needle too far. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we we have a lot of partners that are in that retail space um, and some are established and some are emerging brands, too. And of course, we're coming towards the end of the year. We're mm -hmm. heading into 2021. Uh, this pandemic is still with us and will probably be for a while. So, you know, a lot of my conversations um, are around considerations as we develop strategy moving into 2021. Are there areas where we need to pivot or be considerate? What are your thoughts as uh, just to kind of close things out today on maybe some key things to keep in mind as we move into the new year? Um, well, we don't know what what the you know first half or much less the, the second half of 2021 is going to look like. Um, but focusing on how can I create an experience for that consumer that might not be walking in my store um, and, and really investing in that and um, committing to what your brand represents there um, is going to pay dividends, whether COVID continues to have us quarantined in, in Q3, Q4 of, of 2021 or not, our behavior is, as consumers, not only it continues to shift, but it's probably accelerated um, because of where we're at today. Um, and so looking ahead to um, how can how can I think a little more non about the experience that the consumer has engaging engaging online thinking about that holistic experience and bringing that to them um, through the digital space is is not only a covid thing it's a it's a 2021 future and beyond thing absolutely and maybe that's that's a that's a great note to kind of end on too like you know there's a probably a reason there's this phrase silver lining right and mm -hmm. sometimes you go out of crisis you know comes creativity development innovation um, and I think with some of what you just spoke to um, will be better for businesses, again, in that retail sector, but it really extends into other industries as well. So I so appreciate your time today, Sean, your um, experience and background. I could talk to you all day long. Um, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in the future, too. Maybe we can uh, regroup and talk about where things are three and six months from now. Um, but thank you again for your time. And I hope you stay safe and have a great holiday season. Absolutely. It was it was my pleasure. Always, always fun to, to catch up with you, Sarah. And we'll let's let's do it again soon. Yes. Maybe in person even. Like, yeah. Oh, my. What was that going to be like? Yes. Maybe. Well, and I didn't even tell everybody the way that we initially met was I was uh, intent. I'll use the word intent, intent on meeting you at South by Southwest years ago 
very quick. It was very much because of the work that you do. And, and I was very fortunate to grab you and be able to meet you right before you were literally getting on the road to leave. I mean, I think we had like 18 minutes. That's right. So, and here we are today. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, and great to see you. Great to see you as well.